Today's show is brought to you by Of A Kind, an online shop for emerging design. For more information, visit ofakind.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit heritageradionetwork.org for thousands more. And welcome to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm coming to you live from Roberta's in Bushwick, Brooklyn. You can listen to the show live every Thursday at 11 a.m. on heritageradionetwork.org or download the podcast on iTunes. Today I have a very special guest in all the way from Paris, so perhaps I should say bonjour instead of hello. Um, <laughs> I'm joined by Anne Dittmeyer, designer and editor and founder of Preta Voyager. And also for six years, Anne joined us at Design Sponge as an incredible writer and wrote over 500 posts, which if you're a blogger, you know that's a lot of posts. Um, And now Anne is doing so many incredible things online. And today we're going to be talking about the power and importance of international and global connections, how you make them online, how you take care of them, and how you can turn them into exciting opportunities and even new jobs. So welcome, Anne. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Let's start with a little bit of your story and how... um, you got to where you are today. Um, from the very, very beginning, um, you grew up outside of Baltimore. Yeah, no, I was. This is like going to be a long story, but I'll try to <laughs> try to keep it to the point. Um, I was born in Virginia, lived there for DC for like six months, um, then Minnesota for four years, Kansas for eight, Idaho for two, um, and then back to Virginia. And I went to UVA, studied art history, anthropology. Um, I studied abroad in Paris and then around the world on semester at sea. So both of those semesters were highly influential and then went to Baltimore for five years. And I was living in Baltimore when I started as the first design sponge intern. I feel like your life is like the real world and admire. Like it's like you've been to every possible city for at I, least a little bit. I I will admit that I first discovered Semester at Sea from the <laughs> TV show, but it was really embarrassing because a lot of people didn't take it seriously academically. Mm. Um, but I'm the kind of person who likes to take advantage of every opportunity. And I don't know when you're traveling, you can't help but learning. But I do have MTV <laughs> to thank for the tip off. Um, but I, UVA now runs the program. So I think that's a really what you just said is so valuable. And it kind of underlines everything we're going to talk about today, which is you are probably more than anyone else that I've ever known in my life, someone who takes the most advantage in the best way possible of every opportunity that's ever been put in front of you. So it seems like was when your first study abroad in Paris, was that sort of when you were first bit with the, the Paris bug? Yeah, I don't know. Um, my parents got married late. They're well-traveled. And so it was kind of in me and in my blood from the beginning. We would travel every summer to see family, and then every spring break goes somewhere. But when I was a junior in high school, we took our first trip overseas. So, I mean, I wasn't that young when I started traveling internationally, but I've been to 46 U.S. states, I think. Oh, my God. Um, so, yeah, I really have my parents to thank for that. Uh, and when we traveled when I was a junior in high school, it was the first time I'd stayed with a family when mm-hmm. we were in Paris. And it wasn't even this traditional, like, typical Parisian home, but I loved staying with them. And I remember they introduced me to this, like, ser- cherry syrup that you put into water. And they had these <laughs> wine glasses from the Louvre with words in French, like, etched in the glass. And it was before I was designer. And I remember, like, seeing the posters in the Metro and being like, wow, design can be really smart. So it was that kind of first pre-trip um, 
that was really influential. And my my dad had met um, the couple when he was working for the World Bank in the U.S. So my parents have always taught me about the importance of like long-term friendships. They've always kept a Christmas letter and kept in touch with friends over time. So that's very much embedded in me. And then when I studied abroad, it was Wells Program College, Wells College Program for the Arts, and it was very untraditional. And the city very much became the classroom. So I had a photography class with a professional photographer who to this day is like one of my adopted families and his daughter Callie makes these amazing terrariums um, in Paris and so I'm friends with her so the network just keeps growing um, and I had a class in the Louvre every Wednesday I took a hip-hop class that I still do you know like I don't know one 12 years later so all these different different facets but it was very much that study abroad experience and kind of this untraditional classroom and how, how long have you been living in Paris full time now? So in August, it will be five years. Wow. But my first when I first studied abroad, I arrived there two days before 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where I met my best friend and all these different things. So I was there for three months in 2001 and then um, or 2000. 2001. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, I taught English for a year, the year after I graduated. So it's my third time living in France. So it's almost six years collectively. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people fantasize, especially in the lifestyle community. I feel like a lot of people fantasize about moving to France, either for a couple months to work or live there permanently. And I remember when you first left, I was like, well, if anyone can make it work, it's Anne. Um, and you already spoke French and all of the sort of basic requirements. But watching you online and talking to you on email, it's been quite a challenge to not only work there, but to stay there yeah I mean one of my biggest frustrations is people say oh you live in Paris you lived a charmed life and I was like no I just work really hard (laughs) Um, and the way I'm able to stay there now is because I started my own business Uh, I didn't know any of this stuff before I learned accounting in French Um, I have a professional association I've taken the classes twice in French um, just to understand it so there's a lot of behind-the-scenes hustle uh, a lot of kind of painful bureaucracy um, I kind of like live tweet my trips to renew my carte de jour. <laughs> it's entertaining, but I just want people to know there's a whole reality behind mm-hmm. it as well. well. Let's talk about a little bit of that. I want to talk about connections, but I think part of those connections are you eventually going to spend time, hopefully somewhere international, um, and you need to know how to do that. So let's talk a little bit about the difference between living abroad permanently, or at least attempting to, um, and then working abroad. Uh, what, what has your experience been those as two separate pursuits? So... I was living in Baltimore and I was kind of itching to go back to Paris and I wanted to get a job. And it's funny because I never wanted any master's degrees and now I have two. <laughs> um, and when I was kind of looking at jobs, I was looking at the American University of Paris and I wanted to get a job there. But then I saw this master's program in global communications and it was kind of the perfect fit for me. And then in hindsight, I realized how impossible it was to get hired in France unless you are an EU citizen. So unless you're working in a big industry that can send you over mm-hmm. and you know deal with all your paperwork, it's almost in hi- impossible to get hired. They need to justify that a French person can't do that job. Mm. Um, so it's not as easy as you think. And a lot of people just move over and get hired. But it's already really hard to get hired in France because they have um, tough labor laws that make it really difficult and expensive for an employer to fire somebody. Mm. So there's a lot of kind of not so glamorous um, grit and grime behind the scenes. So, I mean, my recommendation for people is to go for three months. You can get the tourist visa. You don't have to deal with getting registered with a business. Um, 
you can really enjoy it, stay in an apartment and live like a local and go to the market every week or every day and enjoy the shops and just stroll and get lost. And you kind of get the best of both worlds. You get to be there long enough to not feel rushed through mm-hmm. everything. Um, but it, it really is tough to get hired. Um, going over as, as a student is another great way. A lot of people mm-hmm. go to learn French. Um, personally, I think the experience is so much more fun speaking the language, and it's not necessarily the language you learn in school. And just having those interactions and those communications um, between people, and you know, even if it's not, you know, the French aren't known for customer service. Even if it's not like the most exciting, just when somebody interacts with you, it's, mm-hmm. it can be really great. And just to know what's going on in the world around you. Do you know if does that sort of three month uh, tourist visa thing does that apply to most countries in the EU, or is that do you know that's just France? Um, I guess it would be similar, mm-hmm. um, but I'm not positive. I mean, the main thing is they don't want you like setting up shop. Yeah, exactly. And, like if you're in France long t- term, you need to be paying French taxes. So mm-hmm. I do that. I pay like four different organizations and social charges and it's all great. And then somebody doesn't send you the form you want. And so <laughs> you go and run around in person. So um, it can be a headache. So it's it's more fun just to kind of go long term, then you can come back and then go again. So I love the idea of being bi-continental. And mm-hmm. I'm fortunate I get to travel a lot. So I feel like, is that on your business card? I feel like it really needs to say it bi-continental. I, know. <laughs> I mean, I really, I think kind of unintentionally when I went back to grad school, I kind of wanted to create a world for myself that I could work from anywhere. Mm. Um, and people ask me if I'm in Paris forever. And I'm like, I'm happy there. I love how many visitors I get. It can be exhausting. But there, it's a very dynamic place. And they're always coming through. Mm. And so I love that my clients in Paris trust me to be in New York for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. and do their job and know it'll get done. And I actually can have meetings when I'm in New York that benefit uh, my clients in Paris. And this time they got away with that by paying my way over. Um, but I think it makes me richer to have like all these different experiences and draw from everything. So Absolutely. Well, those are sorts of the ups and downs of living permanently abroad. But let's talk a little bit about actual international connections and how you make them, not just for eventually moving somewhere to work there, but actually just making those connections online. Because I think that people talk about how easy it is to meet people online that you would never have met. You have a friend in Reykjavik and a friend in Copenhagen and a friend in Russia and all those things sound great, but how do you actually turn them into real connections? So let's talk about some actual examples and pivot points where you've met people online in an international place that have turned into something that's been a big part of your life. Um, I think one of the ones that I always like to think about when I think about you, because you've been so successful with this platform is Skillshare. Um, Talk a little bit, or can you tell us a little bit about um, how you got connected with Skillshare and how that sort of was a pivot point for you? Well, first off, like anybody who has a blog, it's an automatic business card Mm -hmm. and always have it in the signature of your email because it just legitimates you immediately. Um, And so I think with Skillshare, it started with um, me kind of discovering the platform and then I followed everybody who works there. So don't that's, just... That's really smart. That's not a point to overlook. That's a very yeah, smart Yeah, don't just follow the main account. Like it goes for anybody. If you can find the intern working there, the mm-hmm. chances are the intern is going to have more power than like the CEO or whatever. So I followed a bunch of people and then it was... It's really flattering because when you have enough presence online, people reach out to you. Mm-hmm. So I'm in a place where I don't have to work so much at finding work. I spend more energy, unfortunately, having to turn things down. But um, 
when they reached out to me, they wanted to do a travel-related class, um, and I struggled with the idea a little bit, but they were great in terms of going back and forth, and I was coming into New York, and so I was able to meet with them in person. So that's where the travel and this international connection and just trying to trust builds. So the awesome thing about Skillshare, it's an online learning platform, and so you can be anywhere to do it. So um, we came up with the first class, which was map making, and it was incredible how it took off. Um, Skillshare is constantly evolving and changing, um, so now it's ongoing and anybody can sign up at any time. But then my all my Twitter followers started sharing and people started blogging about it and it was so visual that people started sharing that way and then I could reshare it. And I think that's something that's so important that we all have to do now is self-promotion mm-hmm. and I can't be shy about it. Like I need to make a living. So, But I'm also happy to support the students who have taken my class and I think I can't even remember. It's like over 35 countries around the world, over a thousand students have done it and constantly having new work. So being able to share that and so I can support my students in return and I like post on my blog from time to time with their work and it is constantly you know helping support my class as well. And have any of those students become friends or clients or contacts? Yeah um, definitely and ironically my mom was kind of the star student of the class (laughs) and I promise I didn't pay her like you know force her to do it but everybody who was in the class at the start was like, oh, your mom is so great. My mom would comment before me. I was like, she was this perfect TA. Um, And so, but especially in the beginning, I think more and more people are getting spread a little bit thin, but Mm -hmm. so many of the students were talking to each other, connecting on Facebook later. Um, One of my students, Naomi, uh, pretty unexpected. She ended up, she kept working on her map of Creative Amsterdam. And then she sent me a copy and I was blown away and I was happy to share it. And then she just wrote me today that she's coming to Paris. And so we're going to meet for coffee. So it's this kind of like ongoing connection and reconnection and keeping those ties. Mm -hmm. So I think in being a student, you can really make yourself shine and get noticed by influential people. Absolutely. Um, You've also done some work with Viable. Talk about how that came about. So Viable is um, a they offer experiences around the world. And I think it's another platform that's perfect for bloggers because you already have this online presence and you can do self-promotion. And I will on Instagram share an image and say, oh, excited to show people around or we got ice cream today or we went to this market and every experience is different. So I do a Navigate Paris tour and design tour and an Amelie Paris. Um, (laughs) So it's, it's really fun. And the people who know about Viable are kind of savvy travelers and the kind of people I want to find. And a lot of people find me through the Design Sponge Shitty Guide that I wrote before I was living in Paris, so like maybe six years ago. <laughs> um, and yeah, and so it's a really awesome way to connect with people. And for me, more and more, it's important to connect offline. Mm. And then often they'll find me on Twitter and we'll keep talking and sharing and I learn about new things. Um, and I always kind of cater the tours to their interest as well. Um, so I'm learning about things I never would otherwise and making all these connections in the process. Like one of my guests like brought her parents and she's my age and she just got a job with Apple. So, um, you know, people are doing really interesting things and you never know who you're going to meet. I think and another thing to consider, and this has worked for you too, is that it's so wonderful and valuable to make these international connections in terms of making them professional connections and having contacts and clients. But you've actually gotten two of your best friends, um, Elodie, and you're very good friends with Rachel Koo as well, um, through 
this sort of platform? How did those friendships happen and how have they been valuable for you? Um, I think being a sneak peek editor was so great because I'm able to reach out to people mm. with something specific to say and a specific ask. And, you know, I'm asking them to do something, but they're also, you know, it's it's good press for them and Design Sponge is um, such a great platform for that. So I was in touch before he moved to Paris. And so a lot of you have to realize too, that these connections take a lot of time to form. It doesn't happen overnight, even if it looks like that on social media. So I had featured Catherine Therese um, home on design sponge. And she actually had worked for my little Paris, a really great um, Paris site for a long time. And then Elodie was the stylist on that. And then Elodie's place was in, she wasn't ready to share it yet. And Catherine's like, you should meet Elodie. Elodie, I met. She invited me to her birthday the next week, which is kind of rare and unexpected to happen with the French community. They're just a little bit more private. And then I met Rachel Koo at her birthday, and then we're just all friends. And I feel really blessed because um, you wouldn't expect, but in France or living abroad, sometimes it can take longer to connect and meet with people, meet people. But that's where I think like Twitter and Instagram and blogs can legitimate you immediately and add interest. And we collaborate together a lot, too. I think that's great. Well, we're going to take a quick break. And then after the break, I want to talk about the nitty gritty of how to reach out with people to people and then how to really maintain and nurture those connections. So we'll be right back with Ann Dittmeyer. Interested in emerging design? Check out Of A Kind, a site that sells the pieces and tells the stories of up-and-coming makers. The site has featured over 200 designers and offers limited edition pieces you can't find anywhere else, along with the studio tours, travel guides, even recipes from the designers. To find out more, head to ofakind.com and sign up for the site's newsletter. Hey, welcome back to After the Jump. I'm your host, Grace Bonney, and today I'm joined by Anne Dittmeyer, who is a designer, editor, and founder of the wonderful blog, Preta Voyage. She's joining us today all the way from France, and we're talking about the importance of international and global connections, why they're important for everyone, and how you can actually make them. So before the jump, we were talking about some really personal um, examples from Anne's life, people she's made, professional connections. Uh, but I want to spend a little bit of time talking about the actual nuts and bolts of how you reach out to people, what's the best way and best manner to do that in, and then how you really nurture those connections. So let's start with the the 101 level stuff. Let's talk about how you reach out to people and sort of what you consider the basics of how to reach out and what you should put in that email or whatever that contact is. I mean, first, I think it's really important to have a signature in your email and to say who you are. More and more people reach out to me and emails can all kind of get clumped together. So you're really can differentiate yourself from others and really showcase yourself and you never know what I'm going to connect to on that level. So I like to see that you're online in some other capacity, mm -hmm. just, you know, you have to make sure that relationships are kind of mutually beneficial too. So um, I would love to help everybody in the world, but there are only so many hours in the day. And, uh, you know, I barely get my own work done. So for me, uh, Twitter has been fantastic. Mm. And don't underestimate the power like of your avatar photo, your bio, mm. make sure there's a website link there, um, the background image, you can definitely personalize all this stuff. Um, and for me, these days, it's, it's strange to kind of see a shift, but Instagram is 
mm-hmm. really great. And I can kind of, it's not about like all the fancy places you're going, but it's kind of helps people like show how you see the world yourself. And so um, I think when you're reaching out to people, it's nice to show and communicate you have this own vision and you're not just trying to do what everybody else is doing or you're not being cookie cutter um, from what other people are doing. What do you think is the most important way to reach out to somebody? Should someone have like a very professional goal in mind when they reach out to you? Or do you think it's best to reach out and try to form some sort of personal connection before you work on the professional one? I mean, I always say that you need to work on building this like these layers of communication long before you actually need somebody. Mm -hmm. I think it's people have the tendency more and more to only get in touch when they need something, Mm -hmm. Um, which when you're asking for life advice, you know, sometimes it it is last minute. Um, But you kind of, by building these relationships and people who can help you out later in life, if you're just nice to them along the way, um, I have so many lovely Twitter followers who respond to my questions, talk about things, but it's really the random things that are more memorable to me mm. instead of, um, you know, somebody who's trying too hard to be really, you know, overly professional. Yeah. I think communicating your personality is is totally key. And, you know, you can bond on really minute, completely random things and laugh about that. And then you kind of have this layer of trust. That's a great, I think it's a really good point to make. I think a lot of times, Especially if you're reaching out to somebody, let's say like a famous, you know, like Italian blogger, it's better to reach out with them with something they're actually going to remember versus the like generic, hi, I love your site and would love to work together or something. Yeah. And it, it's, it is kind of embarrassing or like it's you can meet people in real life. And I love when people introduce themselves and say hi. But they're like, I emailed you. And I was like, I get so many emails. So if there's something that you can pinpoint that you can connect on, it it really makes a difference later. And, you know, I feel with every year I'm like getting worse and worse with names. And it's like, I'll realize after the fact, I'm like, oh, this is that person. Yeah. But like use if you're introducing yourself to use your full real name Mm. and your handle. Yeah. Um, Because sometimes I don't make two and two and people are changing the names of their handles more and more. So that's, let's talk about um, something I'm always fascinated with because you always share the best and most interesting tidbits about sort of cultural behavior norms. But let's talk about the differences between, since those people listening just statistically are, are in America um, and they're probably curious and interested in interacting with people internationally and would love to make those connections. What are some sort of appropriate do's and don'ts that come with reaching out to an international person? Obviously, we're kind of vastly generalizing things, but let's talk about Western Europe since that's something you're most familiar with. What are some appropriate do's and don'ts or things to expect or not expect from that community? I mean, I think for me living in France and a lot of people who come over, they think that, you know, France from the outside kind of looks like the U.S. and you expect the same behavioral norms. But even when you go into a shop, you always have to say bonjour or bonjour madame or bonjour monsieur is even better. And these like simple layers of etiquette. Um, So I think that's just really important to know like in person and it kind of applies to the social world too. Um, and I think it's interesting on Facebook that my French friends that I've connected with, they, the kind of information that they share is very different than my American friends. My American friends, I know all about pregnancy <laughs> and <laughs> bowel movements of children and just, you know, too much information. Um, my French friends tend to share an article or a quote or something inspiring and completely impersonal. Um, so I do think that Facebook is kind of changing the way that French people are interacting, mm-hmm. kind of opening them up for a long time. Um, I think um, 
just a lot of French people, they, they have their tight-knit groups of friends mm-hmm. from high school and college. And so social media is kind of changing those norms. And I think the French are adopting things like Twitter like at an okay rate. I know Germany, it's definitely not part of the culture. Yeah. Um, so there are these subtle cues, but if you can kind of like – if you happen to be abroad or trying to connect with somebody abroad, I think there's a lot of potential to kind of get in while it's still early and Mm -hmm. young. Um, I would love to see more French designers using different like web platforms because their work is amazing when you see in person, but I don't think the, their presence is quite there, but um, more and more there are blogs and there's some really big French blogs um, like uh, Griot and uh, My Little Fabric. And there, there are a lot of people doing a lot of interesting things. So, One thing I thought that was great before we started recording, you were telling me about the importance of interacting with people like that on social media and the value of like making a personalized message in that social reach out versus just like at replying somebody. Can yeah. you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So like on all these platforms, you can follow and you can like, but like is so just like, superficial yeah. and unmemorable so if you can you know write a comment or say oh did you see this or know about this expo um but it's also great you know I, I feel really spoiled after my maps class like everybody sends me every awesome map thing so like the internet works for me now because i've created this knowledge base and level of trust but in the comments especially for instagram if you're connecting somebody to a photo don't just say like at pretty but like hey check this out and mm-hmm. um you know add something and you know i think a nice comment can really make somebody's day so mm-hmm. never underestimate that power and you know even on the email reach out just say something nice and <laughs> that will stick with with them more than you know a long novel <laughs> yeah absolutely um i think one thing that you talked about twitter and we talked about instagram but one of the things you mentioned earlier was the importance of actually connecting with those international people in person as well which obviously for a lot of americans is an easy thing to do on a regular basis but you find those connections and take advantage of them when you can by also signing up for newsletters tell us a little bit about that because i think that's a really undervalued way to connect with people yeah so anytime i discover a new website or a person if they have a newsletter i sign up right away you can always unsubscribe later um, like the first time I went to Airbnb headquarters in Paris, it wasn't because I was a VIP travel blogger. It's because I signed up for their newsletter and got <laughs> invited to eat like Galate Roi. Um, and so I think on social media, it's really tempting to think, oh, they have this charmed life. They're so special. Mm-hmm. And really, it's just about jumping on opportunities and taking advantage of things. If you follow somebody on Twitter or you let them know that you're interested in something, they'll be in touch with you about future events, but you have to kind of show that interest. Um, And when I'm tweeting or Instagramming, I try to take the time to look up that person's handle or the shop or whoever it is to tag them so that they, they see it's there, but you, you, by connecting on the multiple layers, you're going to make it a, a deeper impact. One of the things I always admire about you is you talk a lot about the importance of really investing in those connections versus sort of the somewhat like easy or quick connections you can make with people on social media. You've also talked about the importance of actually paying for things and like attending things that have a fee. But I think they show a certain level of dedication and commitment and interest to whatever that connection is. Um, Can you give us one example of something you've done like that? Yeah, I mean, even though I'm a Skillshare teacher, I started out by paying the classes for $20 each for like lifetime access. And 
I love it because all the teachers are professionals in the field and very much see the world in that way. Like Brad Woodard has this great self-promotion class, which isn't as glamorous as his, as his illustration classes. But I love learning about people's processes. Um, you know, Margot Harrington has a contracts class and it's investing in the knowledge base. A lot of people with my business say like, oh, you you know so much. I'm like, I don't know this much, the, all this stuff. I take the time to invest. And like learning about contracts, it's not always glamorous, mm-hmm. but it pays off later and it makes you more professional and, you know, people respect you. So it's just baby steps. And I love going to conferences. And for me, conferences are the perfect excuse mm-hmm. to travel and it's a business expense. So, um, you know, a lot of my friends, we kind of like have powwows now throughout Europe. It was in Berlin last year and this year in May, we're going to Blogtacular in London. London. Um, and I'm going to speak speaking on value and what your worth is there. But um, it's really fun to connect offline and, you know, meet new people and um, in a different environment. And can you share a few tips about how people can maintain and nurture those connections? I think that's something you do really, really well. I think like for me, it's like taking it offline and remembering mm-hmm. like I love all your etiquette com- com- columns and thinking about that. But I mean, for me, I'm lucky that it's like in my blood, like I said before, with my parents. Um, but I mean, my best friend and I, we met in Paris and Felice sends me a postcard or letter in the mail every week. And it's like the most amazing hand lettered um, piece of mail. And I'm pressuring her to start her business. So here's <laughs> her first shout out. But um, so I think kind of doing these personal touches, um, you know, just email like, you know, my friends from high school and I were obsessed with the Backstreet Boys and after the concert, sending them email with a recap and like video with like them like shaking their booties and stuff like that. So like kind of doing like quirky and kitschy things and, you know, not having to be so like formal. Um, and I also like picking up the phone and calling people now. Like even in France, I have free calls to the U.S. That's one perk I get. And just calling people Mm -hmm. because it happens less and less. And I used to love email and now email kind of feels like a chore. Um, And yeah, and like even just, you know, remember when you're a kid and you're like, let's just go hang out. And so like now just being Mm -hmm. like, hey, let's go for a walk. And it doesn't have to be anything major, but it's like really the simple things that you can do and just kind of to enjoy those moments. Mm -hmm. I think showing people that you have an interest in them beyond what they have to offer you is sort of the bottom line. It's really hard just knowing that people like want something. And I would love, love to help everybody. But, you know, it's it's hard. And then I start to feel guilty. So, you know, we just do our best. And, you know, behind the scenes, there's a lot that everybody's dealing with. So, but also make sure you give people a lot of advance notice. And, mm-hmm. um, but, you know, taking time to build these connections. And I know I first heard it from Jessica Hish, who said, like, make friends, don't network. Mm-hmm. And so like, my friends are my network. And my friends hanging out with my friends and having lunch with them is a business expense, because we're talking shop too. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it can be win win, but you can create whatever path you want. Um, and for me, it's kind of creating this like, be anywhere path Mm -hmm. um but it's really these amazing people and i've been lucky in france to meet like elodie and Catherine and rachel who are very much freelancers um and my friend you know and being able to kind of see their path and have them inspire me to do my own thing i love it well we have just a few minutes left so i want to end with some rapid fire questions so get your mic ready (laughs) (laughs) first one uh describe very quickly your favorite 24 hours in new york Oh, man. Like five things. Got to do. 
I but I just love exploring and getting lost <laughs> and wandering and yeah um I mean I loved going to PS1 mm-hmm. once in the summer for a beer garden um I totally trust my friends to take me places new museum was great um that's embarrassing I really haven't planned to watch for this trip but I love doing things I've never done before and mm. um you know until you experience something for yourself you don't know what it's going to be like so all right your favorite 24 hours in Paris it's also exploring, but I love like picnics outside or taking a bottle of champagne up to the s- steps of Sacre Coeur. Um, more and more places are getting popular, so um, just uh, and I love finding like a new event or seeing something new or being like, oh, I can't wait to see that illustrator show. So um, for me, it's kind of the scavenger hunt and you know trying to do everything, not to do it and get this checklist, but just to kind of continue these connections. Yeah, what's your favorite online shop right now? Uh, Skillshare. <laughs> no, I, I'm not kidding. Like I'm like I've taken 30 classes now. <laughs> I'm just like I love learning, so I'm less likely to to buy, but more likely to invest in like education. I like that answer. What's your favorite brick and mortar shop? Um, I'm super sad it just closed, but kiosk in oh, New York. I know because that I still I think me. they might be opening something new. I I haven't checked, but. There's all these like different travel products from around the world. And I'd read about it for years online. And last trip I was in New York, I finally got to go. And it just made me so happy. Um, so it, w- it was once again, it's like totally different in person. So take the time to unplug and go out and see it. I love that. All right. I want to talk food super, super fast. What's your favorite local food in New York? And what's your favorite local food in Paris? Uh, in Paris, <laughs> I like a good old crepe with banana Nutella mm-hmm. from the streets. Um, I'm also kind of obsessed with French fries right now because it's a Belgium <laughs> influence. So I will go for French fries for a meal. Um, and then in New York, I don't know. Um, I just love American pancakes. Because, <laughs> you know, yeah, I guess I, both my answers are pancakes. Are pancake related. Yeah, I guess there's something. I mean, yeah. That's a very good answer. My friend and I had uh, in Williamsburg had had pancakes for breakfast. So I, I love like a good diner. I love that. Last, uh, what's your biggest piece of advice for people looking to make international connections if they can remember one thing from today? Be yourself and let yourself shine through. And, you know, the the connections will happen naturally if it if you're coming from it in a genuine way. And, you know, don't be afraid to show your work and promote yourself and just reach out. But, you know, kind of go into it without expecting too much. But, mm-hmm. you know, it takes time and just keep checking in and find different ways to say the same thing in different ways but yeah just be patient um and be yourself good advice and thanks so much for being here today thank you and for everyone listening you can visit Anne on twitter at slash pet on instagram slash pet and online at pret dash a dash voyager which looks like voyager for americans <laughs> listening thanks so much for being here and we'll see you next thursday Thanks for listening to this program on HeritageRadioNetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore Radio. You can email us questions at any time at info at HeritageRadioNetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.